The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. again it's his show it's brandon welcome back to the brandon peters show hope you're getting excited for the summer of 82 at 40 coming soon but today we have an excellent discourse for you as we take a look at the film what's up doc turning 50 years old joining me for that from this means podcast and a filmmaker in his own right and producer of tahuti because i'll mention that wherever I can. It's Jonathan Graves. Hi, Brandon. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. And you picked the movie for this. So this tying into 50 years is kind of like, oh, wow. Yeah, this is 52. So nice. very excited to get into that. But before before we get into that, let's get into you. Uh, you are the host of This Means Podcast, which of course was named after the 2012 McG film starring Reese Witherspoon, Chris Pine, and Tom Hardy, right? that That's where it came from. <laughs> I was going to let you finish the joke before jumping in. I actually worked with the marketing team on that movie. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, this Means War uh, obviously is a Marx Brothers colloquialism, mm-hmm. and uh, Bugs Bunny adapted that into his lexicon. So, of course, you realize This Means Podcast is the name of the podcast. Which is a brilliant way of doing, you know, naming a Looney Tunes podcast. Thank you. Uh, which have which is it's crazy to think that like because when um I believe like the first time I had Sabina on the show she was talking about I think you'd had you recently started it or I can't remember but a Looney Tunes I was like wow that's cool I'm like I can't think of many Looney Tunes podcasts I'm sure there's a whole lexicon of them well there wasn't one until but there wasn't there, was there not there was not one when I started oh my gosh there had been two or three prior to me starting but they had already died off and. There was oh, okay. there wasn't a new episode since 2016, and so I was like, "Well, <laughs> somebody has to take up this mantle." And there was also in 2017, or yeah, 2017, there was a release of a Looney Tunes mobile app game, and that game had players unlocking different variants of characters. So you had Daffy mm-hmm. in his Robin Hood costume, and you had oh, okay. Bugs in the What's Opera Doc costume, and I was like oh, the, like I could talk forever on these characters and like where they're from, the shorts that they're in. And I guarantee you that there are kids playing this that don't know where they come from because they're just putting them out there with no backstory. <laughs> and so yeah. I was like, oh, okay, well, someone should do that. And <laughs> that was before I had the idea of doing a podcast. And I've been listening to podcasts for the better part of a decade, because when Batman Begins was announced, Christopher Nolan had come on to direct, and it was at that time at that time called Intimidation Game. Uh, this was mm-hmm. in two thousand three. Yep. Um, I was listening to a, a Batman on Film podcast, and I was having a blast with that. And I was like, 
this is a medium that I rarely see have success, but I'm here for it because no one else is talking about this Batman movie that I'm really excited about. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, one of the people from that podcast went on to create a, a new one called modern myth media. And then they evolved and now they have a Marvel podcast all about the Marvel studios films and I, but now they're not alone. There's a jillion yes, Marvel exactly. podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> there are, uh, yes, exactly. And <laughs> and I was like, well, I want the same type of treatment done with one of my favorite fandoms, which is Warner Brothers Animation. And where can I find mm-hmm. that? Right. And there wasn't. There was no place for me to go to find that. So I was like, okay, I guess That's I'll. Insane. I guess I'll yeah. have to make it. Yeah, it's great. It's crazy to think about, and uh, I mean, you've pointed that out before, and I've read uh, interview with you and stuff that uh, you know that these characters, the the Looney Tunes characters, they're they're still here, but the the just awareness and um, impact of them is like sadly not. I mean, we just had a, a new Space Jam, but I don't think that's enough to really emphasize the importance of them and have them showing up. But um, like growing up, that was. I probably watch more of those in Mickey Mouse cartoons, but sure. I, I don't even think kids nowadays probably watch the straight up Mickey Mouse cartoons from back in the day as well. Right. Um, so now it's up yeah. to the adults. Now it's up to our parents and uh, I mean us as parents to introduce mm-hmm. our kids to Looney Tunes because we grew up on the syndication of them as mm-hmm. they were put on Saturday morning cartoons, which we woke up for. It was like an event mm-hmm. and we had, the um the, the resurgence of them in the 90s with tiny tunes and animaniacs right. was also a tangential relation to that franchise and freakazoid and anything spielberg touched basically because he really wanted to reinvigorate the love of looney tunes and so mm-hmm. they were on abc they were on fox kids um for a long time and right. then we had uh, new iterations of the Looney Tunes in Looney Tunes show. Uh, there was Lunatics, uh, which was Looney Tunes as superheroes yep. slash. It was actually their great grandchildren <laughs> as superheroes. It was really bizarre. <laughs> um, but yeah, like they tried to stay relevant. Um, and right now, I feel like Space Jam 2, as you mentioned, was a shot in the arm. Mm -hmm. Toys flew off the shelves. So kids do know who these characters are again. And also we have a new series on HBO Max right now called Looney Tunes Cartoons. And Mm -hmm. the voice talent behind that series is incredible. And they have brand new shorts the same length as they were back in the 40s. And they're trying to do the same kind of thing uh, where it's short comedy vaudevillian uh, setups and they're treating the characters with so much respect and the, the places that they go in these are so dark though that it's like oh it's like I remember this but darker yeah. <laughs> and so there's new fun to be had from an adult standpoint as well as a kid standpoint gotcha gotcha yeah I you know they've I know like Warner Brothers at least has usually treated him with good care because I, when I did back in my QC days in Burbank, like I, we did the DVD set for the Looney to those sets that would come out. They were like the Golden Collection, black the Golden yeah, Collection, yeah. yeah. And they were, I mean, everything on there had to be like spick. Normally they let shit just like go yeah. on on releases, but these were like I, we went through a lot of versions because they needed to be immaculate. So they did. There was actually 
care in the home video department at the time. This was the mid two thousands. Oh yeah, um, that they were they were really pushing then. And then I, I you know I remember they had NES games. Mm-hmm. There was the, those games and things. That's perfect. Back in the day, I, I actually and Nick, just... Nick at Night or Nickelodeon would run them too. Yeah, the, so yeah, yeah, because the rights were handed off to different uh, companies, they were able to air on different stations, and mm-hmm. that also led to a bunch of our generation seeing them. Um, mm-hmm. But also, I just did a podcast on all of games. Not all of them. There's over a hundred. I don't know if you know right. that. There's over a hundred. <laughs> I had one on <laughs> NES, and I had one on Game Boy. Yeah, uh, yeah. is what I had for the. I might had two different ones on NES. There might have been two that I had. There's a Bugs Bunny one. That I had, it was hard as hell. <laughs> yeah. Might have been uh, Bugs Bunny in time, or Lost in Time, or uh, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. It there's just... there's a lot of them, but I just covered uh, a portion of them on my latest episode, and I had on uh, friends of the podcast um, Vanessa and Elijah over at uh, Kicking and Screaming Pod, and so okay. they were uh, gracious enough to dive deep in that rabbit hole of old games, and uh, we just had a retro gaming conversation. And it was great. Oh, that's that's awesome. That's are you. And speaking of guests, you've had some uh, incredible, good like talent uh, yeah, that have been you. on there as well. So yeah, um, we had Eric, so like Bowser. voice actors, yep. yeah, actors, uh, creators. Yeah, tell us, yeah, share about that. Yeah, uh, we had Eric Bowser. He's the voice of the modern version of and uh, I love his myth- mythology uh, or methodology. There we go about Daffy as he has um, taken upon himself to do a a um impression of oh what's that what's the actor's name from jaws it's uh oh it's on the tip of my tongue there's a couple of mr them. holland's opus as well uh oh uh, richard, richard dreyfus. dreyfus so it's richard dreyfus with a lisp is his daffy okay and yeah it sounds so close to what mel blank was doing back in the day that mm-hmm. it's uncanny <laughs> that's great because daffy predates you know dreyfus oh um, absolutely stardom, so that's kind of funny that that it comes exactly around, so yeah and uh, i've also had on candy milo who does the voice of granny you can't have uh, tweety without granny mm-hmm. and um i've had on the director of space jam 2 and uh, yeah he was a delight uh he also directed one of my favorite early 2000s comedies uh undercover brother <laughs> oh okay I, I i saw that in the theater nice <laughs> back in the day so yeah i told him about that mayonnaise scene and how i still think about it to this day <laughs> <laughs> the little weird sound the mayonnaise makes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I, I've had uh, I've had some really great guests on, and I'm incredibly thankful and lucky. And you know, um, I, I hope to continue that trend and have on more talent from from the show as well as the movies. <clears throat> we have a new movie coming out uh, that James Gunn is producing. Uh, it's uh, Acme versus Wiley Coyote, and that is. Mm-hmm based on a New Yorker article, uh, which was kind of tug-in-cheek oh, wow. at the time. And uh, and now they're adapting it into a full movie. So I'm excited to see how that turns out. And there's also uh, a new animated film. Actually, there's two. Uh, but the newest one that's going to come out is called King Tweety. And um, okay. yeah, it's uh, got political intrigue. So we shall see what happens with that. That's excellent, fueling it back up. And of course, you're going to have James Gunn on your show, right? If you got Space Jam director, you can get producer James Gunn. Oh, I truly hope so. <laughs> it would be incredible. And also, that that's a connection to my wife as well, because uh, my wife and I, our movie is Guardians of the Galaxy. And so our our wedding playlist and like our, our couple's song is actually mm-hmm. the entirety of the uh, 
uh, awesome awesome mix, mixes. One. Oh yeah, actually, yeah, it's all of them. It's all the awesome mixes yeah. just compiled together. Anytime a new song is added, that's our song. <laughs> there, it, it, we claim it. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Well, that's wonderful. Um, and as as of as of this recording, I don't know if it'll be that way on Monday that you're listening to this listener, but you're one follower away on Instagram from a thousand on this means podcast. So if you're listening, be that person, be that person. to click it over to a thousand. <laughs> I don't get anything for saying this, but one that's horrible to sit and hover at like, well, nine, nine, nine. So one more follow. I don't feel too horrible. It has been growing rapidly. And I currently have, I have teamed up with a Connecticut museum and there's an animation museum uh, in Connecticut mm-hmm. and they have teamed up with me to give away a free Looney Tune art piece. Uh, that's actually so. Uh, oh, okay. It is signed by one of the estates of Virgil Ross, who was an animator in the early Looney Tunes, so the 30s and mm. 40s. And this art is uh, available online. You can check it out. Um, obviously, over at my podcast uh, Instagram, you can check it out at This Means Pod um, over there. And yeah, I'm currently sitting at 99, but I feel like that is going to lift off <laughs> as soon as people get wind of this giveaway and uh it's with the uh, barker animation art gallery and collectibles but um yeah you can uh read all the rules over there oh excellent excellent that's great and i you know i like to see you're doing and hopefully you know what I, I hate to give you competition but maybe you will inspire more looney tunes podcasts so someone's like uh, jonathan just doesn't <laughs> cover it the way i would wait I should make my own. And then it just grows and grows. And then you get the youthful Gen Z Looney Tunes podcast. Well, since I started, there actually is one more podcast that, that popped up. Oh, yeah. There you go. And uh, you go. I I welcome the competition. I don't find it to be co- competitive at all because we're talking about. They just have to have the OG guests on their show, right? That's <laughs> what they got to do. Yeah. No, but, but like th- the more people that talk about it, the more relevant they become. And that's the whole point of everything. Exactly. And also, you know, as far as an advocate for podcasting, if you're passionate mm-hmm. about something, it doesn't have to be Looney Tunes or movies. If you're passionate about something, talk about it. Find your audience and like find others like yourself that have shared interest. And that's what I'm all about. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've also, this is just going on a podcasting in general and speaking with a fellow podcaster is always fun to tell you. But like, I, you know, I'm not the most active on your twitters or whatever or twitter tweeting because i and i had the realization i'm like the other day like i podcast is like my social media like what i i just i speak in more than 140 text characters you know like i that's where i've i've you know met with people talking and my thoughts come out through conversation and so you can hear me (laughs) and understand what i'm like um and coming from on those or maybe just making a joke that um people may not get in the Twitter form, but I'm like, I, I kind of had that realization recently. And I'm like, wait, you know, I, I come up like, oh, I should tweet more. I should do this. But like, I, I don't like to tweet what I'm like doing things. Like yeah, I, I'm watching a movie. I'm watching a show. <laughs> I'll tweet. Or I'm like, you know what? I don't want to get sucked down that hole or I'm editing, recording, writing, you know, stuff like that. So I'm like, you know, what? I think that is my social media is podcasting. So it could be your form of social media if you're not into all those or anything like that so yeah totally that's a plug for podcasting there you go go find a mic just you know it doesn't have to be the best one just set it up and get going 
Hopefully you improve as you go along if you like it. That's what I tell people. I'm like, don't spend too much. Right. Yeah. You might not like it. Yeah. And consistency will win you out. Like that's that's what it is. If, <laughs> if you can keep yourself consistent and stick around, things good things will happen. Just for the sheer, you know, idea of like being around. But yeah, I just love so. discovering what people are passionate about. You know, yeah. as I'm scrolling through iTunes or Spotify play, uh, podcast, you know, uh, things that are. I, I just had a friend that started a, a true crime one. Uh, she's okay. producing a true crime podcast, and I'm like, yeah, go for it. You know, whatever makes you happy. <laughs> True crime is not my thing. I, I think it's a Tweety Birds thing. Okay. <laughs> Tweety Birds gotcha. loves to find mystery. mystery. And uh, <laughs> I uh, I would listen to hours of Tweety Bird talking about True Crime. But um, I'm, not I'm, I'm looking. I'm, wait, I'm still waiting on the Tiddlywinks Championships of the 1970s <laughs> podcast for Tiddlywinks. Just the 1970s championship. Just 1970. You should start it. Mm. <laughs> I don't know a thing about them. I just want it to exist. That's all. That's what I want. You know, that, so. that's another good reason to start a podcast, to, just to do research, you know, like find more. You be it. the guy. You're the expert. You're the you're the person. <laughs> like, you got to find the niche, the most niche niche, and just harp on it, stick to it. You might not even be into it. Just right. be the expert. Well, when I, And then they call you up. When I started the Looney Tunes podcast, people were like, oh, that's very niche. Because at the time, you know, Space Jam hadn't come out. The HBO mm-hmm. Max series hadn't launched yet. Like, it was dead. <laughs> <laughs> I started in uh, 2019. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was right before Warner Brothers revamped their entire platform. Because uh, right now they have this thing where an intern is running all their mm-hmm. social media. And it's, Ooh, it's a funny okay. gag. Uh, but... You know, before that, it was just relaying of clips, like old clips that they were just putting out and uh, it was unrelated to anything. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Um, this is dead. <laughs> this needs revived. <laughs> this is the end. <laughs> that fucking mouse end. made it. I didn't want it to be the end. And I'll, yeah, obviously it was to combat Disney. That, that was the whole thing. Like there was too much yeah. Disney in my life. <laughs> too much in all of ours. Uh is to say though i do enjoy a good lot of it i also like slap myself for it too sometimes but but yeah so that that's your podcast it dropped what day of the week does it drop again? thursday nights thursday nights so friday mornings friday for mornings, some of you yeah. for some of you uh but yeah that's uh this mean podcast you got anything more to shed light on with that or uh well i have one thing um the okay. director of king tweety has reached out to me on twitter <laughs> oh okay and uh said that she'll come on the podcast to discuss the movie with me uh when it drops well, uh, that's so exciting news awesome that is coming in july of this year okay i will be i will be off that time because <laughs> i have those i have those episodes of my show recorded Very so nice. i'm good uh, but yeah i look forward to listening i'll have time I'll have time to watch King Tweety and then head to This Means Podcast, your only source or best source best right source. now of all all things Looney Tunes. <laughs> this man follow on Instagram. If it's nine ninety nine 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 on Monday, you better be a thousand. If it's a thousand, be one thousand one or two or three or four. Let's get it up there. All right. Barbara Streisand and Ryan O'Neill in their biggest hit. See Barbara Streisand, see Ryan O'Neill. What's up, Doc? See Ryan O'Neill, see Barbara Streisand. Get out! No, wait a minute! See Barbara light Ryan's fire. I've got to tell you this. Of course you do. See Ryan light his own fire. See the CIA, see the spy. 
Z, the spy, and the CIA say the sea. See the Volkswagen get busted. See everyone get busted. Smash my life savers. See what's up, Doc, and see what's up. Yeah. What's up, Doc? From Warner Brothers, rated G. Directed by Peter Bogdanovich, written by Buck Henry, David Newman, Robert Benton, and starring Barbara Streisand. Streisand? Uh, Streisand. <laughs> uh, Ryan O'Neill, Madeline Kahn, Kenneth Mars, Austin Pendleton, Randy Quaid, Sorel Brooke, and Michael Murphy. It's about the accidental mix-up of four identical plaid overnight bags, which leads to a series of increasingly wild and wacky situations. Indeed. This of course shares its name with the 1950s cartoon of the same name and bugs bunnies famous catchphrase so uh jonathan uh this is your pick of a movie what what uh obviously looney tunes related but uh let us know what why it is you brought this one to the table well first of all this is a underrated gem of a movie the tagline is literally screwball comedies remember those (laughs) i love that we remember those because i was watching this going oh yeah they made movies like this at one you know once upon Mm -hmm. a time (laughs) and i I had the privilege of seeing this in a theater. Uh, We went down to the Arrow Theater here in Los Angeles and we caught it on the weekend of Valentine's Day. And I could not have had a better viewing experience. And Sabina and I were just sitting there laughing at the absurdity that was on screen. But it was it was over joyous laughter that we were joining in with the audience. And it had been so long since we had felt that in the theater or yeah. felt that anywhere because, you know, obviously 2020 shut down everything, but right. having that communal experience back in that way, it was so rewarding. And I knew that this entire you know, filmography of Peter Bogdanovich was put up on screen to honor the man. And Mm -hmm. I never got to meet him. I had friends that met him and they said he was very warm, very nice. And they gave, he he always gave sound advice to upcoming filmmakers. And I, I wish I could have had the chance to meet him, but I'm so glad that he put together this ragtag group of people and came up with this script. And it is on the fly, Walkers. too, from what I understand. Yes, yeah. They hurried this thing up because Streisand wanted to work with him, and he was, let's get something done. <laughs> and this is him coming off the last picture show, too, which he was nominated Best Director. That was his breakout movie. Yeah. Uh, he lost it to William Friedkin for um, The French Connection. Not a bad film um, to then, lose it to. No, no. I mean, you look at this like, okay. Um, and then... Paper Moons, his next movie. Like this is like a this is one of the best one two threes ever. Yeah, for Last Picture Show that and Paper Moon, which I have you seen Paper Moon? I have not, but I'm oh, going to. <laughs> so I I watched it again. Like so, I watched my last couple days have been I watched What's Up Doc. I watched. And I was like, you know what? I haven't watched Paper Moon in a while. 
I'll watch that again. And then I went and watched What's Up Doc again. Because nice. um, <laughs> What's Up Doc, like, I could probably watch this on repeat, folks. Just going to lay that out there. But It rewards um, repeat viewings, especially if oh. you're following the case. <laughs> the oh, cases. yeah. So Paper Moon, though, Jonathan, I recommend okay. because do you like the Coen Brothers movies? Yes. It is the proto Coen Brothers movie. Oh, wow. Like, you'll go like, holy crap. Like, it feels genuinely like a Coen Brothers. Like, this is way be- this is before. This is like, what, 16, 14, 15 years before Blood Simple? Yeah. And I love it Blood is Simple, everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, those guys are damn near perfect in my eyes. But this is like, this is every Like, you can tell they wanted to make movies because they saw this. And you'll see all the characters of their movies, their style, type of story, it, wow. the environments, it is events. It's crazy uh, how much it resembles a coen brothers movies movie but yeah paper moon yeah last picture show what's up doc paper Paper moon Moon? and it's almost like last picture show and what's up doc jumble together to create paper moon in terms of vibe oh wow but um that raised even higher on my to watch list well i mean because it kind of settles the other down so the comedy's there but not as wacky right and the drama's there but not as beholden too serious so Awesome stuff, but yeah, uh, Bogdan- and Bogdanovich. I always credit like like Scorsese, one of the best, you know, so the best filmmakers ever, ever. But also one of the best to like discuss film or oh, historian because yeah. they both make great docu- rock documentaries. But they both, if you ever like, I mean, Blue, you're a home video guy. Bonus features. If either of them are talking on something, you're just like just. Don't cut to anybody else in these talking heads. Let them speak. Uh, Let yeah. them speak. Because they're both wildly knowledgeable uh, on every every piece of it. No, absolutely. But I I, I I do agree with you. This movie turned 50 years old last month. Uh, it was released on March 10th. I didn't see a parade for it. Um, granted, this year, The Godfather is going to get that parade, deservingly so. Sure. But um, like I did my previous episode of the show was Cabaret at 50 because I'm like, well, People are going to talk about The Godfather. That's fine. But Cabaret won more. It was like the most decorated Academy Award winner of that year. And the most, I think it still has the record to uh, have the most wins without winning Best Picture. Mm. Uh, but that one had a little bit of a celebration. This has nothing. Well, let's celebrate it, it now. Yeah, we are. It's the third <laughs> highest It's the third highest grossing film of 1972. There was The Godfather, The Poseidon Adventure, and then What's Up, Doc? Like... It's uh, ahead of Deliverance, Cabaret, Jeremiah Johnson, Deep Throat. Can you believe Deep Throat? Top 10 grocer yeah, I can. of 1972. I can. Well, yeah, people <laughs> would go. Uh, I, I guess so. But uh, yeah, like people the getaway. Are disgusting. <laughs> hey, it was a thing to do back then. No, it I was know. new. <laughs> uh, classy porn. Um, not really classy, even, but <laughs> stuff like that. But yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know. In my research, but, I did find uh, that people were so enamored by this film that they would leave the theater and then immediately go buy another ticket and then go right back in. I get that. It yeah. is a movie that you could watch on repeat. Yeah. That's what that's what I, I felt. And I wanted to watch it immediately again. And I was catching stuff like again uh, or that I wasn't noticing before or everything else uh because i watched it once just to i hadn't seen it in many years so i was like all right just watch once relax and then i watched it once again for notes you said um, you said you saw it in college right i did see it in co- first time i saw this was in college we were uh in my film genres class and we were talking about 
screwball comedies. Okay. And we we would watch some in class, and we would have sc- our screening day. Day was Wednesday, and um, this one was screened. And I I, I want to say it was thirty five minutes. It wasn't like I was in a theater, yeah. but it was a big enough like it was one of those like classrooms, but like a movie screen was there, and they bring out the old projector and uh, crank it out. But like I want to say this one was in thirty five. That's great. I want I want to say this is one of our thirty five. Um. Because I know we watched this one. Uh, we watched Bananas in 35. Okay. Uh, and some, I mean, it was it was random. There's It was a weird time. It was early 2000s when it was like we had a film reel, VHSs, uh, and laser discs that the college had. The college hadn't gotten quite to the DVDs yet. Oh, wow. <laughs> but it was like, because I watched The Seventh Seal. The first time I watched it was a laser disc in a class, and we had to like flip discs. Like it was like eight discs. And it's not even that long of a movie, <laughs> but it was like flipping, like, hold on. So it was my interrupted in a class uh, viewing a seventh seal, which funny story, by the way, everybody boo hooed about because I guess like all the classes there. It was my freshman, no, I, sophomore year because I went to a different school my freshman year. Um, but it was my first year at uh, Ball State. Sure. And everybody was fucking boo hooing about the seventh seal. Fuck. And skipping that day, I'm like, God, is this going to be that bad? And I fell in love with it. So they, whatever they did, worked. I mean, I was like, Motherfucker, this is a privilege to watch this thing. Like, I loved the Seventh Seal, but I also found um, what's up, Doc here as well. Like, I always wonder. I knew the title, and I knew they made some live action movie that didn't have Bug Bunny in it yeah. and stuff. Although he isn't, he isn't, he- <laughs> and he kind of, he kind of is, uh, is one of the characters. Is like the Streisand in this movie is very much Bugs Bunny. Oh, absolutely. Like, 100%. They even pull her hair up. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love like, how she played it too. And uh, she's all, amazing. All of the dialogue, she's given some really difficult dialogue when she's talking about types of rocks and she nails it. And like, I I am astounded every, t- every single time I watch that dinner scene where she's mm-hmm. under the table with him. And it's just, oh, it comes off so naturally. It Nothing is forced. And, and this when, isn't when like, I, she doesn't have like a billion movies under her belt. No, this is early. Yeah, this is like her fourth movie, I think. Mm-hmm. And so when she's on screen, she's radiant. And she like, obviously she had funny girl um, or yeah, funny, funny girl or funny face. Wait, oh, funny girl, funny, funny girl. Funny girl and Hello Dolly were like two of her big first one well but hello dolly was a bomb for that studio but yeah yeah and so when she's on screen she's just so vibrant and alive and like channeling that bugged bunny energy but like it's so unique to this film that i'm like i need more of this and there's no there's nowhere to go <laughs> no there, there is nowhere to go and it, it's funny it's borderline like it's funny warm goofy and somewhat like attractive in a way yeah like i don't know what it is like that they do um but it's it's this weird crazy i no one's pulled this off like, <laughs> i don't know since like this is a wildly i like i don't think she's beating liza minnelli for best actress at the academy awards but she definitely got overlooked for like a nomination absolutely for this movie like 100 they could have maybe done that stupid thing where they're like supporting actress because uh ryan o'neill's the the lead sure, right sure. so she's like that silly like you're the like slumdog millionaire where they nominated the slumdog millionaire for best supporting actor like 
he was the slumdog millionaire. Right. Like, what do you? Uh, but yeah, she's all over the and it like. There's a bounciness to this movie that is so seamless, mm-hmm. so casual, so loose, but like it works. Like it's I it's un incredible how this works because at some point you'd because these are long takes too. Yeah, you would think somebody breaks, somebody bumps, and no, like it just floats around. Whatever, just. Whatever goes, and everybody's cool with whatever goes. Like, there's nobody who gets held up, uh, anything. And Streisand's going crazy, like, but it works. I don't know how they do it. Like, it's magic. <laughs> Listeners, Brandon li- listed off of a, a laundry list of amazing talent here, and this is the first theatrical appearance of Madeline Kahn. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she is incredible in this movie. She gets overlooked because she's playing the an- antithesis to Barbara Streisand's bouncy but character. But she's got great lines too. Yeah. She has great lines. She has great presence. She's never like annoying or anything like that. Like she comes off as like somebody that you like you don't mind on screen, but like also mm-hmm. brings her own sense of comedy. And yeah. then she has these moments where she's alone and they're hilarious. And right. and you start feeling bad for her because she's put in these situations that are just terrible, <laughs> but it all leads up to something so grand and something that, that really like pulls at the heartstrings. My wife is a big fan. This is not the reason why I married her, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't hurt. Uh, her favorite movie is it happened one night and okay. that film stars Clark Gable that performance by Clark Gable inspired Bugs Bunny. You could not have okay. What's Up Doc wow. without having that film and that performance. But also, this film is a parody of Bringing Up Baby, which stars mm-hmm. Cary Grant. Yes. <laughs> and the fact that both of those films combined, mixed with a bunch of Looney Tunes and a bunch of wacky comedy, there's there's a full-on set piece in the uh, the city of San Francisco that is a parody of the the chase scene in Bullet. And yes, mm-hmm. that flies off the screen and it feels like you're watching It's a Mad Man, Mad Mad World in the best way possible. But there's mm-hmm. this gag, there's this running gag with a guy on a ladder and he's in the middle of the street <laughs> trying to hang a banner and these two guys who are walking across the street with glass... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then That's the great. cars come flying down the hill and you're like you're, you're so worried about them getting hit and but you also know it's got to pay off at some the point the payoff is brilliant and you yes. don't even see it coming and it's it's done in such a way that is i feel like is unmatched <laughs> amongst other like uh situational comedies like that that have mm-hmm. those like setups and payoffs and this one just it, it's so smooth and in watching the behind the scenes, everything was so methodically planned out. And right. Like, yes, like the, the script was written on the fly and, and like it came together uh, such loosey goosey. But like when they were in the moment, like that shot in the hotel with all the doors and the exchanging of bags and the mm-hmm. timing of everything, it is so methodical 
that when I'm watching the making of it, I go, oh, this must have been so grueling to like, right. get all that done and also like have it flow in a certain way. But when I watch it as a viewer, I'm like, this is so joyous. And like, I don't care like about anything yeah. else going on. Like, I'm so fascinated by the choreography by the comedy and then you have the firemen break down the first door <laughs> right yeah oh that's hilarious starts. yes yeah and and <laughs> i had that down like, i was like i even, love it they're not even supposed to go to that door and yet the, the first door the firemen come to they start whacking it with a hammer or with and they're like yeah <laughs> like, no 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 oh oh not that one not that one but yeah that uh, the flawlessness of this movie equates to a massive amount of rewatchability and mm-hmm. the dexterity of the, the performances and the, I, I just want to say like the, the team that brought this together, like kudos to them. And, you know, it, it is a sad loss that we lost such a talent uh, in Peter Bogdanovich and we'll mm-hmm. never, you know, have another one of his movies, but like this movie has lasting appeal. And I feel like this is a gem that should get rediscovered Oh yeah, and it this year would be the this year. year would be the year. Bogdanovich passed fifty years is I mean, yeah, jeez him. Uh, yeah, like and like Bogdanovich is. I think Bogdanovich's greatest talent is to trust everyone else here because oh, sure. I think he he understands the actors and all the actors seem to know their place, know their strength, know where not to go. Uh, the the choreography, the set design, uh, just making things go like these door chasings and some of it's probably in the script. I mean, you got Buck Henry who co-created get smart. He wrote the graduate. He did, uh, he directed the, uh, Warren Beatty version of heaven can wait, which was written by Elaine may like talented guy. He's got a life pass for me for get smart. Um, then you have the, uh, writer of, uh, writers of Bonnie and Clyde, bad company, Superman, uh, you know, like it's, it's crazy who's Heavy writing this stuff. Uh, I mean, oh, the director of Kramer versus Kramer is one of the writers on this. It's insane. Uh, but and Verna Fields, uh, Verna Fields Verna is Fields. the editor. Yeah. So if you love Jaws, <laughs> well, yeah, and the, the editing is key in this too. Um, also, I want I want to point out and and speak of the people that Ryan O'Neill. Yeah. Okay. I grew up. With the received wisdom that Ryan O'Neill was just this pretty-faced oaf that got lucky in the 70s in a bunch of movies. <laughs> and, and people still this day will talk. And I love story. What's up, Doc? Paper Moon. Uh, Barry Lyndon, uh, which I think he works in, despite people go. I'm like, I think Kubrick knew what he was doing with that. And like uh, Walter Hill's the driver. Granted, I don't take in like Ryan O'Neill film festivals or anything, but everything I've seen this guy in, he's been pretty terrific. Like I, <laughs> so I don't know where this is. Co- maybe uh, granted, all of those movies, great directors. You got Walter Hill, Bogdanovich, oh, Kubrick, yeah. Love Story. He's coming off that. Yes, that was a phenomenon back then. They even plug a line in this movie the uh love means never having to say you're sorry and he goes that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard <laughs> just to jab one back at his for a movie that got him into stardom but how great is I, that though how great is that uh, oh it's good but here, here's the thing with him this movie he pulls off some impossible stuff because he is able to play the straight man but one that's also goofily socially awkward mm-hmm. but never 
loses it, goes over, does out, steps out of line, even though Streisand's baiting him to come in and have the fun. He play. This is a hard character to pull off to make this comedy work, and he does it in spades. Like I can't explain it. Like because he has to be the straight man, but also kind of awkward, goofy, yeah, weird, and it it's it brilliantly blows through it. Like I I don't think what he's doing is easy at all. Like it's one of the toughest straight man roles I think around. And and this is this is when these films aren't getting cranked out. All the time by a studio. This is like we got to look back. We got to capture this energy, and he did it. I would concur, like apparently for sure. Like it, it's a really tight rope that he's walking, mm-hmm. and like for example, whenever he gets he's he's exhausted and like he has uh, definitely you know uh, <laughs> pissed off his wife uh, by not having her at this um, expo kind of thing where he's supposed to meet this benefactor for his rock collection that makes music. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, you got to have some sort of injection of, uh, of music, uh, elements in a Looney Tunes thing. So I love that it's rocks, but he gets back to his room and his wife has put his bag at the door and without him saying anything, he conveys, I messed up. I'm Mm -hmm. going to be sleeping alone tonight. And oh yes, I need to take this inside and keep this secure. And he does that in like a split second. And then he opens the door and he finds another door, like right after that one with a, Mm -hmm. uh, a little coat oh, thing. Oh, the little, the little passer through thing yes, where it like yes. half opens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it slams in the back of him. And like, <laughs> it's a little comedic moment, <laughs> but like he, he's able to portray uh, such vulnerability without yeah. having to say anything. Yeah. And I find that so unique in this film mm-hmm. because everyone I else mean, is obviously uh, Barbara Streisand doesn't have to do that because she's talking a mile a minute because she's given Bugs Bunny type dialogue and it's always mm-hmm. funny. Um, yeah. But, you know, like he's the one that is quiet, but he's also never. Um, he never speeds up or gets too right, frantic. Right. Like he he always stays in his pace, which got to be impossible with all the stuff that happens. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it just example after example of this uh, through the movie. And it, it just, it's so rewarding to, uh, to just enjoy like as a viewer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Bogdanovich takes him to makes him the lead of paper moon right after this. So like he, if he believes in the guy to take and they believe, I mean, I just, I just don't see this. Maybe he did some films that didn't work, but were they because of him? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm just confused at this. Maybe people recommended me these bad Ryan O'Neill performances. I'd like to see them because of my sample, that sampling that I've had, movies that I've returned to frequently. Yeah, I, you know, I gotta. Watch I know more people don't work. like Love Story. Huh? I, I gotta watch more of his work. I'm excited to yeah. see Paper Moon now. Paper Moon, and I think he aces, like, uh, Walter Hill's the driver. He aces the kind of generic anti-hero guy. Okay. Like, it's it's quite good. Like, but that, that movie, the people's names, the characters are like the driver, the handler, the, you know, people don't have real names. So it's kind of based on, uh, it's a 70s film, late 70s film, but it's based on kind of um, a deconstruction of that type of thing. And it's got really cool car chase and stuff like that. It inspired Drive. That yeah, yeah. Brian, 
uh, Ryan Gosling movie. But that movie, yeah, I so know. I, <laughs> that movie, yeah. If you if you like that movie, this is right. This is right there with it. Okay, um, cool. But yeah, there, there's just so much stuff here that there's too much to pay attention to, and enough to please you uh, with one view. But I, I, one thing I, we pointed out, there's a lot of like riffs and spoofing mm-hmm. and parody stuff in here that I think is like. I don't think the majority of it's not going to get recognized nowadays, even by older people. Like, I think a lot of it's going to just float over as comedic bits. But the fact that they still work is great, even yes. if you don't know they're a parody. I th- I think that's uh quite quite genius and helps to its longevity. But I mean, like a a kid picking it up today and watching it's not going to no way unless they're the the best film student ever and they're not they haven't made it to like the 1970s or, or they're 1972 is they're watching every film up to through history and they just got to 1972 then they're gonna like all that stuff but i mean there is a car commercial uh parody on here for volkswagen um apparently with its floating because that was like the ad thing for volkswagen oh wow uh beetle that. was yeah it was like uh, that's why it was floating on water because that was their the advertising scheme for Volkswagen. So uh, probably in theaters got an extra laugh yeah. back then. To us, it's just like, eh, okay. <laughs> Actually, I, I thought it was funny, but I, I didn't know it was a parody of something. I just thought it was bizarre mm-hmm. that the car was yeah. floating <laughs> when all the other cars yeah. sunk. It was a riff on, <laughs> on the advertising. I, I also, the golf clubs gag. Yes. Like, I, when, that one is funny, but just overthink it and it becomes funnier because you're like why does he still have them why is he crawling why does he need him to go out the window why is he and he's constantly just throwing and like oh it's and like why would golf clubs look inconspicuous when you're in the middle of the city in san francisco like i the more i think about that and how absurd yes it's just funnier and funnier and funnier it just starts out i was like okay i get that and then i'm like this is ridiculous i'm like oh well, but why would he need and then if you overthink it it's just funnier and funnier and, and, and he funnier. <laughs> he snuck into one of the guests rooms and he's just sleeping on the bed with the golf clubs because <laughs> he's like these cannot leave my sight <laughs> this is my disguise <laughs> yeah it's disguised as golf clubs <laughs> And the, the absurdity of the one guy, the uh, he goes on to play Boss Hog at Dukes of Hazard, but like him just, oh yeah, when he's like, you need to keep her busy while I go to the room, and he's like kicking her constantly. He's like, uh, I got to use my charm, my charm, yeah, and then he goes up and he trips her, <laughs> and they come out of the elevator, and he's still doing it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, um, oh, there there was a uh, one I liked uh, this time around. Um, it was when I watched it the second time for this. I picked up when Fritz and uh, what's it, Boss Hog guy are on the phone, mm-hmm. and he goes, "He's like, get out of there and don't let anyone see you." And he goes, "Roger." And he goes, "Fritz." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Yes." Oh like, yeah, that was good. That was good. It was, was a very good airplane. It was a very airplane. Oh very, yeah, joke. very 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 tight, very there. Like it could just you could miss it. Um, oh gosh. Oh, I love uh, Barbara Streisand. There's a person named Eunice. <laughs> that would that still works today. Like, yeah, that was the name. Oh gosh. Oh, um, under the table. There. I'm not repeating myself. I'm not repeating myself. Oh God, I'm repeating myself. 
That was simple but silly and fun. Oh, gosh. That's the whole movie. Simple but silly but fun. And also, Mm -hmm. for those who like short runtimes, the runtime of this is only 94 minutes. And I feel like that's including credits. Also, yeah. Well, the opening credits is like flipping through a book entirely. Can I just say it's so rare that we get a storybook intro on a Warner Brothers Mm -hmm. movie like this. And also, it's live action. It's not a fairy tale, Mm -hmm. but it starts off like one. And it has a Warner right. Brothers like in- insignia in engraved into a red book and it's gold and it opens. Mm-hmm. And then we have um, the first instance of a stunt team being credited yes. yep. um, in the credits, which is phenomenal because this film has an insane amount of stunts. Yeah. And mm-hmm. b- at one point, Barbara Streisand in a towel is dangling from the side of an apartment complex uh, or hotel room. Um, And it's over uh, like six stories high. And yeah, yeah, like the stunts in this are crazy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of car, there's car chase and jumping car jumps. There's bicycle chasing. I mean, there's There's a guy in the ladder trying to hold a, put a banner up. Guy ladder put a banner up. I mean, it, it goes all 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 out. Like it is it's pretty intense. And that book, the funny thing with the book is there's little key, there's little like nods and things. Like, um, she does something like it's obviously Judy's Barbara Streisand, Streisand's hand, yeah. uh, and she does something like she taps or something or draws a heart with her fingers on Ryan O'Neill's page, yes. and she'll do like little. Little certain things that probably mean something, and like I think Bogdanovich spends a little more time or does something like so. There's a little little notes. There's one where she kind of like goes, "Okay, come on, time," or like like flip the page. Um, it was under uh, the the best boy. <laughs> the best boy, yeah. <laughs> that page. Yep. Oh yeah. The, oh, good stuff. Oh, there's there's little people here too that like can just steal a moment mm-hmm. like the hotel manager is great yeah he shows up just to kick ryan uh ryan o'neill out of his room yeah but like <laughs> he's so his deadpan his timing is so it's so good it feels like he comes uh, in like, from another movie and he's like right, All right, nope, time. oh i'm so sorry about the damage to the hotel room and and he's like it's okay we have others <laughs> yes right and he was like Right, <laughs> just kind of like, yeah, I get it. I'm getting kicked out. I'm fine. And then he's like, these are my, these are my rocks. He's like, yes, they are. <laughs> he's like talking about his like music rocks. So he's like, yes, they are. Um, and then of course the judge uh, at the end. He that that is one of the most fantastic who's on first exchanges between Howard and the judge. Yeah. When Ryan O'Neill's like, oh, my wife is Eunice, but it's not my wife, my fiance. He's like, what? Uh, he's like, you know what? I'm gonna go. I want to go past. It. <laughs> like, can we get past it? If you can explain it, it, then we're. T- yeah. And oh we, gosh, what, we we can't. What are you a doctor of? Music. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> can you fix my hi-fi? No. Okay. Get out. Here. And we can't skip over the incredible Kenneth Mars, who is mm. known for his work with um, Mel Mel Brooks a lot. Right. And uh, you know, he he just comes in and he has this raw presence, but he's also like the suspicious guy. But my favorite part is when we're first introduced to him. Uh, the benefactor is introduced into this expo kind of uh, lobby area, and 
um, the protagonist played by Ryan O'Neill is excited to meet him, but he he has two drinks in his hand. Oh, yeah. And so he can't shake his hand and he's, he sees the guy coming. And then at one point you just see Ryan O'Neill's face go, OK, whatever. I'm just going to like greet him with two drinks, even though I'm not drinking either of them. Mm-hmm. And well, he tried to get rid of it before he puts it on a tray. And as soon as he like the tray walks away, some guy puts another one in his hand. Yes. <laughs> You just can't get rid of these drinks. Sometimes right. you just can't get rid of a drink to go back right, to a Batman go. reference. <laughs> but Kenneth Mars uh, takes both of the benefactor's hands and just starts like shaking them aggressively right. and leading him away. <laughs> what watching his body stuff he does? Yes. Like because I know like he apparently did a lot of improv with his dialogue or it's all improv. Makes sense. But like Makes sense. his physical wild cardness to him is great like you just <laughs> like i was watching that too what he does with his hands constantly yes. and not letting the guy let go oh that's such good stuff oh he yeah he is he's definitely one of the better people uh definitely in this movie um and the what just to watch him keep getting lowered on his pedestal um i do like his because he hears eunice outside the hotel he's like eunice and he like never does anything with it Oh, he, when the fire, or, or does he? He's go, yeah, because he, he finds out that Eunice is another person because right. Eunice has been mistaken for Barbara Streisand's character, Judy, mm-hmm. um, because of her overzealousness uh, or, or overzealousness. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, she is winning the benefactor over, and this is benefiting Ryan Murphy's character or Ryan O'Neill's character. And so the two of them are now like a couple in his eyes. And so Eunice walks in and she cannot be a part of this. So <laughs> that, right. that leads to uh, Ryan O'Neill feeling bad about what he's done to his uh, fiance. But in that moment where the fiance Madeline Kahn shows up and is very apparent to be Eunice, uh, Kenneth mm-hmm. Mars's character is like overjoyed by the information that he's just witnessed. And so in that scene uh, at the museum later on, he's like, I have an announcement to make. I have to tell everybody that this is not Eunice. Yes. Yes. That's right. That's right. (laughs) And everybody is quick or Ryan, Ryan O'Neill is quick to shut him up uh, to. Right. Uh, Okay. Yes. I remember. Okay. Brain lapse there. All good. All good. All good. Oh, uh, but how genius is to some of the naming conventions like in this, like where in the script writing or something they come up, like Eunice last name is Burns. Yes. Okay. And then there's a great exchange with the hotel manager. Where he's like, uh, Miss Sleep is still burning. I mean, Miss Burn is still sleeping. <laughs> like, and she goes by Burnsy. Burnsy. Yes. Oh gosh. Oh, and the, uh, speaking of the, the burning, the fire would, the TV catches fire and stuff and Ryan O'Neill takes the ice bucket to put it out. <laughs> and then him and everybody else are using like condiments yes. to like throw it out. And the guy who brought in the tray is like making sure everything's like, so he's like going to the next course and everything. Like just little, the little touches. Like, oh my gosh. Oh, touches. so funny. I, yeah, this movie's it's, and it's a great, you know, Looney Tunes cartoon bits. Cause like, if you like there's Roadrunner bits in here, like when she's crossing the street. Yeah. Almost like, Oh, I hear the, burp, burp. um, but like, yeah, just the bugs bunny being a, a jerk type things are all over here. And just the way that the way films are too, you can just see bugs bunny as well, but, and the running gag of Judy ordering food and it always being taken away before she can eat yes. it. Yes. 
Yes. Oh gosh. Yeah, that is true. That. Uh, yeah. But she does eat carrots. She does eat carrots and says the line, "What's up, Doc?" But oh gosh, uh, it yeah, like I said, Everly bounces. It's it's incredible. I adore this movie so much. Um, even more like re- going back to it now. I'm like, I don't think I adore it enough. Like, <laughs> watch. I'm like, this is genius genius stuff like it's uh, for all ages like yes yes so much stuff. truly it's not rated r it's for no it's like it's fine for families i want to say yeah oh 100 yeah. like it's it's interesting i started watching like um with my daughter a bit before she uh had to go to bed but she wants to finish it but she was really into it she was like enjoying uh laughing she like she really enjoyed following the bags yes like she was like <laughs> She's like, so that was the one that, okay, and that guy, this, and yeah. Oh, it's so good. And there's such, like, gosh, I'm going to sit and just slobber over this movie for an hour. But, you know, there's so <laughs> interesting choices. Like, uh, what's his name? Uh, the the guy with the top secret information. Oh, yes. Just the choice of putting his thumb to his mouth makes you remember him and all his stuff. Mm-hmm. Because he he does that multiple times. It's like his thing. Like, when he walks around, he puts his thumb up to his to his lips. Um yeah. Just the, that little time that like he's not the funniest guy, but he knows his place in this. He does. He knows, Everybody he seems knows, to know their place in yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And when he does, oh, the people deserve to know. It's funny. <laughs> and he's not trying to be funny. He's just, that's it. Yeah. So we get to know. And uh, yeah, I yeah, love every every single moment of this this movie. It's, it's wonderful. I'm like, so glad I got you to revisit it. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while, and like I said, I've been meaning to pick up the the Warner Archive Blu-ray, which picked up as well. Um, hopefully, hopefully we, hopefully yes, we jinxed it into becoming a 4K announcement any day now. Oh for my gosh, 50th yes. anniversary! That would be which amazing. I do like with tying it back to your Looney Tunes. The, war, the what was it on here? Which Warner Archive tends to do a lot is they put a Looney Tunes cartoon on ones that old movies they have no no way of you know conjuring up souls to interview them to ask them how they were on these old movies they'll throw a looney tunes cartoon on for bonus features which i like that they've been doing a lot but um maybe a 4k revisit of uh this could get some looney tunes cartoons on there as well i i was honestly surprised there wasn't one on here no yeah it is kind of weird but I, i i will say have you seen licorice pizza yes i have Okay, so there's a featurette on that disc, which is a, a, a vintage on-set type thing, mm-hmm. promo uh, EPK reel. And there's Brian O'Neill, Barbara Streisand, and Peter Bogdanovich. And Bogdanovich is like, hey, I want to introduce you to uh, Brian O'Neill. That I, you've seen him in. The, and he does everything he can just to not say love story. Yeah. So like he's that guy from this, you know, da da da, and he's like, "Here's Barbara Streisand, da 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 da," and she's in the back and she goes, "Streisand." He's like, "What?" She's like, it's it's Streisand. Streisand. <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, Barbara Streisand." She goes, "It's it's Streisand," <laughs> and she's serious. Like I can, and I'm like, "Holy crap!" Oh, that Bradley Cooper thing that that has some merit to to it there, That's but great. I I didn't know that. So yeah, funny. but she's like, it's it's Streisand, 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 and he goes, yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't believe it's spelled with an A either. That's a joke on her first name. But I was like, holy crap! I wanted to hold this up. Uh, so this is the oh. short that plays at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. and uh, it's actually called "What's Up, Doc." And um, I 
you know, I, it's part of the it's part of the movie. It plays and it closes out the uh, that's all, folks. Play, uh, plays right before the the credits roll. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I was just super surprised that it it wasn't included on any of the bonus features on the Blu-ray because I, I, I mean, it felt like a no-brainer <laughs> to put that. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Maybe for the 4K. I hope Hopefully it deserves a 4K. 4K. I'm hoping maybe, maybe, maybe Criterion gives us a Peter Bogdanovich box set and we can get, because Paper Moon is not on Blu ray in the United States. Oh, wow. Um, and the last picture show was part of a set for Criterion with like Easy Rider. It was like Film Americana or something. Um, and I know Warner Brothers lends to them. So maybe we could get like a Peter Bogdanovich 7 and get Targets, which that's not on blu-ray this uh his first film which uh people really like a lot i haven't seen it um oh, wow but maybe either. get like a bogdanovich 4k set i would i'd be down for that. but i like what criterion do like i like criterion's got director box sets like one car y yeah uh you know okay. fellini like i like those like you know i mean those are most even like cooler than like a franchise box set for me i'm like oh director box set oh yeah so what's also wild maybe. is this came out last year it was a reissue. A reissue. It was a reissue. Oh, okay. Yes, because uh, it came out. Uh, I, I looked that up because one of them was like expensive. I was like, "Why the hell is it that?" Um, I'm like, "It's not out of print." So, um, what's up? It was originally released in 2010, went out of print, and they brought it back last year. Oh, okay, that's what they did. I had a friend yeah. of mine who knew how much I love Looney Tunes, and he goes, "So you've seen What's Up, Doc?" And I was like, "I actually haven't." Uh, this was in 2020. And, oh, okay. And he goes, um, he I think he had just heard about this re-release happening. And he goes, look mm-hmm. out for it next year because I think they're going to do a, a re-release of it. Um, but if you can ever catch it in a theater, um, you know, go, definitely go. And uh, so I was like super excited about seeing the movie. I had no idea mm-hmm. what it was about, like who was in it. I, I really didn't right. know anything. And that's kind of how I prefer to go into movies now. Yeah, um, yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's way more surprise to ha- to be had, and uh, and yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by every twist and turn and every cast member who showed up and the whole, yeah, the, the whole mystery of it, like the the you know the bags and you know that's the first thing that gets you invested is like mm-hmm. oh I'm supposed to be watching this plaid, yeah, uh, travel bag. Okay, I don't know what's in it. Okay, now it's the top secret like government mystery thing okay cool and then like it just go- goes bonkers from there and you're like i'm on this journey i'm ready to go yeah well and it's a funny thing where it's, it's back when a movie could just be a damn movie right. like, like yes. i feel like nowadays like well why is it top secret in those in that bag they like we need it like we don't allow for MacGuffins without explanation it's a device <laughs> these are movies <laughs> entertainments not lives like it's just, you know, you just be a, a damn movie and enjoy it. Like, it doesn't matter. It's it's the bad, that's just the shenanigans. It's a device. It, it sets the choreography in motion. You know it's important. That's all you need to know. Or, like, you know that that sets this in motion or what each bag means to each person. That's all you need to know. That That's important to that way. It's got the rocks. So that's important to him. That's got, the, that's all. That's all, folks. But, uh, yeah, like, that's what you need to know. So, but it's it's funny, like, I miss that, movies just being movies. And, like, I like you said, too, like, I like going in movies, like, in dark. I'll, I'll watch the trailer once or whatever. I'm not of that, like, MCU crowd that just, like, worships marketing. Like, I, 
yeah, there's no trailer for Thor 4 yet. Well, okay, well, I'm planning on seeing it anyway, so I don't really need it, yeah. I would prefer there not to be a trailer, and we just show up to a theater. <laughs> we know yeah. nothing. <laughs> We're just like, it's out! Just give me a poster! Let's just go. give me one poster. I don't need character posters. One cool poster, and go, I'll see that. <laughs> I, I don't get the love of the marketing and the, the love of, like, the one thing I, I will say... Off t- we're off topic here, but like the Batman, the thing I've loved about that is like the conversation around the Batman has been about the Batman, like yeah. that movie, not what's well, next or, you know, there, there's the speculation stuff. That's fine. But the movie didn't have like an end credits that like left off for, you know, like it was like, hey, enjoy this fucking movie and not like, well, I know this is coming out this weekend, but this one is coming down here. And then we're also doing this. And it's like, focus on the movie let's talk about what's here it was rather but, refreshing just to have a, a standalone yeah. story that is not dependent on what else is going to happen in this universe mm-hmm. and yeah I, I completely agree yeah and to I the like- point of not watching trailers i actually when uh everything always everything everywhere all at once uh yeah. the trailer dropped um about a month or so before the movie came out and mm-hmm. I saw that the trailer had dropped. I pull it up. I see maybe 15 seconds of the trailer and I immediately mm-hmm. turn it off gotcha. because I was already sold. You had Michelle Yeoh, <laughs> you had multiverse, you had um, just bonkers visuals mm-hmm. and, and um, Jamie Lee Curtis. And I was like, I don't want to see a single frame beyond mm-hmm. what I've already seen. I want to go into this as blind as possible. And right. I did. And it was incredibly rewarding. So I've got to say, if you have not yet seen, this, this is going to be my recommendation for things I've been watching. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll go on. We'll move on to what else now. So this is just where we take it. We talk about things we've recently taken in other stuff. Uh, maybe something we've put out in the world or just, Sat and enjoyed. So, Jonathan, what else? <laughs> uh, so, uh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once uh, is a new Daniels film. Uh, mm-hmm. They first came out uh, on the scene with Swiss Army Man, and now they have this phenomenal piece of work, which people are definitely calling the best movie they've seen in decades, and I would agree with that. It is insane and awesome and just full of emotion and... It, it's unpredictable and mm-hmm. it was so rewarding just as uh, what's up doc was rewarding in that, in the comedy aspect, this re- was rewarding on a much deeper level because that's the story they were going to tell. And they really set out to make a piece of art that really challenged you as a viewer but mm-hmm. in a rewarding way. And I've got to say like this, I, I, I can't wait to see it again. Yeah, no, I, I, I took it. I saw it last weekend it's uh yeah it's the best film of this year at least yeah. <laughs> like um and it, yeah good luck dr strange uh um, your multiverse uh but yeah this is it was yeah it, it wasn't afraid to be loose and goofy at times right. it's it's ever like it's it is like it lives up to that title which is crazy Absolutely. Like it really does like in terms of, like i mean in terms of everything like your emotional journey is going to be everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> the movie goes everywhere all at once. Like it is, it, it really lives up to a, a title that that is that crazy, that ridiculous. It lives up to it. And the less yeah. you know, the better. So I'm not, yeah. I don't want to give away any details. Just if you haven't seen it, I highly, highly recommend it. 
And I know that it just went wide this past weekend. So right, yeah, um, I just yeah, wait, I just got it here. We just got it here um, last weekend. Awesome. So and I was like, I was seeing it the instant I could. So definitely. Um, did you have a, one other what else that you're talking? Yeah, I did. Um, I, on HBO Max, uh, there's this um, Lakers show. <laughs> um, I believe it's called. Um, I lost my phone. But, uh, winning time. Winning time. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, with I'm watching it as John well, so C. Yeah. Riley and um, just uh, uh, it's an incredible cast of characters uh, talking about the resurgence of basketball. I want to say as like a, a pop culture phenomenon and. Mm-hmm the the buying of the team from a guy who didn't have the money <laughs> right. the the rise of magic johnson and his career and just the the changing of the game and the the drama that happened around that but it's so fascinating to see all of these behind the scenes players i had no idea were involved mm-hmm. in basketball <laughs> yeah um it's it's kind of a gangster story if you want to if you a little bit yeah that way but I, yeah i i like i am marveling at john c riley in this like like you just hand him the Emmy now, right? Like this is a crazy <laughs> role and he is just acing it. And and the fact that they got like, they got a guy that was just like, I feel like I'm watching magic Johnson right? and that's weird. Yeah, That's really weird. Like, I feel like I'm watching magic. Their Kareem's pretty good. Um, Adrian Brody is, uh, Adrian Brody is Pat Riley is yeah, great. Yeah. The, uh, all of the casting is phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, oh, uh, Chicklis is Red Arbach on the Celtics. Oh, for yeah. the Celtics, yeah, he was, he's good. But yeah, I definitely, I'm loving, I'm loving that show. It's and they just introduced a, uh, Paula Abdul, choreographer for the the Laker girls, and like mm-hmm. just the the dynamics of the characters and the relationships are so thought out and intriguing. Um, and this this show is uh, produced and uh, created by uh, Adam McKay. Um, as a co-creator, yeah. so it's got a it's got a lot of comedy to it as well, and I'm glad it's good because it's what split up Adam McKay and Will Ferrell. Yeah, but yeah. At least it's good, um, and I like the look of it. Looks, uh, you know, people haven't checked it out, but it looks like a basketball game on TV in nineteen in the late seventies or early eighties. Mm-hmm. Like that's the aesthetic that it has going for it. Oh, like, and it Sally really Field. Sally Field. Oh yeah, Sally Field. Yeah, I always forget <laughs> Sally Field's on this show. Yeah, Sally Field's on it. Oh man. It's it's just got someone pops up like uh, Mike Epps popped up as Richard Pryor. Oh right, um, yeah. On the last episode, um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, I mean, we haven't even got to Larry Bird showing up yet. Like he's been, he's like <laughs> this looming in the him. wings, yeah. pictures and <laughs> talked about. Um, but it's it's really good, and I know like the the people the the actual Lakers and people involved in this have been like, well, you know, ask us. I'm like, you know what? We're probably getting some more honest. We're probably getting. Im- exaggerated versions of stuff that you probably wouldn't have told. Oh, sure. To, you know, so it's, it's crazy, but no, I, I am definitely digging that show. Uh, that's my Sunday night. Yep. Got to watch winning time. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. That's definitely. my, that's my current, um, obsession, uh, with, uh, yeah. weekly viewing. 
for sure. Yeah. Um, and then one other thing I wanted to mention was uh, Sonic 2. I'm a big mm-hmm. gamer uh, from back mm-hmm. in the day. Uh, retro gaming is uh, a big thing for me. And I always get like warm fuzzies when I get to play an old game. Uh, but Sonic 2 is... Mega Man for life. There you go. There you go. Mega Man. Mega Man for life, yep. And Pac-Man uh, was another yeah. for me. Um, yeah, Pac-Man. When are they going to make a Pac-Man movie? I don't know. <laughs> it's got to be coming. Yeah. Got to be coming. Or Bomberman. Bomberman is... Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. Bomberman, yep. But uh, but Sonic 2 is a full-on... It, it's easily the best video game movie ever made. First. Oh, okay. Second of all, uh, the graphics and the world building that they do within this film feels so lived in it is unreal okay and there is i don't know if you saw the first movie i did see the first movie and the funny thing is like i am this one guy that like i it's not connecting with me i don't know what happened like i've seen it a few times my kids love it and family like people love that movie and i was just like what is it with me i'm like not connecting with this movie but i'm looking forward to the next one so so i thought the first one was fine Okay. This that's that's the level I was at. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. it's fine. This movie allows Sonic and his world to come to life. That's what I wanted. Yes. Yeah, that's what yeah, we got the kind of like classic 90s approach where right. it's like, we we bring him into our world. That's how he saved money. Like, you know, like like Masters of the Universe got to Earth, you know, yeah. like that type of that type of thing. This story this story approach is way better and uh uh um I Tim Miller, I think uh, is his name. Uh he he conceptualized and did mm-hmm. a bunch of visual effects for Deadpool. This feels yeah. like Deadpool for kids. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's how I'm I would describe that, yeah. it. And also Jim Carrey is bringing in a lot of the things he loves from Looney Tunes into this world, oh, that's uh, good. such as the fake Latin of the Wiley Coyote shorts. Uh, he does that a lot and it made me crack up every single time. Um, and there's also something he does uh, on the mushroom world that was very Looney Tunes as well. I don't want to give it away, uh, but I highly recommend Sonic 2. And I know it's breaking box office records for video game movies and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, kudos to that team over there. And um, yeah, uh, we're just inundated with such great content right now. That is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but as long as it's related to Looney Tunes, I'm going to be covering it. So Look for me talking about that on the show as well. Excellent. Uh, my what else? I got a pair of them. I did, didn't have to talk about everything everywhere all at once. You had that covered. Oh, um, cool. <laughs> I took in, because uh, the Blu-ray came out, I had to review. Oh, I still haven't posted my review, but uh, Parallel Mothers. Did you see that one? Oh, uh, that is the Penelope Cruz movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah I the, did not see uh, it. Pedro Almavar. Oh, my gosh. This thing is unique as hell. It's I don't want to. I don't want to just go. Just or take it in. Um, it's weird because it's this drama, but there's like things that feel like Hitchcockian horror Ooh. or suspense stuff, but it's not that type of movie, but it gets there and it's, it's wonderful. Um, Penelope Cruz, cool. just, she's amazing. Uh, everything should, I big fan of hers. Um, yeah. but this is a quite a unique f- experience of a movie. Um, uh, but I, I don't think you'll be bored at all or anything like that it's just it's a trip so i'll leave you with those light touches um i also so i went in the theater last week and i saw everything everywhere all at once and then i saw i i I finally got chance to get the the three hours and nine minutes to see rrr rise roar revolt oh have you heard of that one the indian film it's this indian film that is it is a his it's historical fiction that's like a 
superhero comic book movie. Sounds like a little Tarantino-ish. It's, yeah, well, I mean, it, yeah, it does that, but, like, this thing is, it, it's crazy. The filmmaking on display here is unbelievable, like, blockbuster levels. Like, I, there's a bunch of CGI tigers and stuff in it that look really good, oh, nice. and the action things are, they're over the top, they're crazy. They have um, music numbers and dance numbers in it, and... Just really good, like relationship dramas and things. And uh, R- Ray Stevenson's in it. He plays a complete ass face because it's it, it deals with uh, it, d- it deals with British imperialism of India okay. uh, back in the early 1900s. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it that's the basis, the background for it. But uh, it's embellished and it's very uh, mythological, superhero based. But like this thing, the best thing about this is like it's not afraid to go big. It's not afraid to like be what it is like it never apologizes for anything how goofy it gets or anything like that it's just there's like hero shots galore that like are awesome um it knows how to get like the applause moments really well and it just never it takes itself seriously but also isn't afraid to and like it doesn't have that like not to keep dogging Marvel this episode. I don't mean to. I enjoy those films too. But Marvel has that thing where they always make, they always have that, this is stupid, isn't it, folks, kind of person yeah. in their cast yes. everywhere that just kind of makes the, someone feel comfortable for going to a, you know, kids thing. This has none of that shit. This is just like straight up, no, this is what it is. This is going to be awesome. And there's some amazing action sequences in it. I, recommend seeing it on a big screen okay because it's worth it but like i took i risk it i took my 10 year old son to it like i don't think he's ever watched a film out outside of the u.s that isn't like british or canadian or anything like that so subtitles there's a lot there's british dialogue chunks and stuff throughout but like he um the big action the first big action sequence in the movie well, there's a couple, but there's one major one before the, the title screen comes up, which is an hour into the film. Oh um, wow! He looked at me and goes, "Can I? Can I? Can I? Can I swear real quick?" And I'm like, "Sure." And he goes, "Those are two of the most badass dudes I've ever seen in a movie." <laughs> and like, and after that movie, it was three hours and nine minutes of this stuff. He loved it. He thought it was awesome. So I was like, "All right, cool, cool." He's just just floored by some of it so rrr it's it actually the weekend it came out in the united states it topped the lost city the opening night they both opened the same night and it topped the lost city opening night but it didn't take it for the weekend it it finished three for the weekend but it's been playing uh pretty good and my theater was packed uh grant we're only here it's only showing like was only showing like twice a day but um yeah our that movie lived up to every like it was getting it's been getting a lot of hype uh, in the socials and stuff, and I'm like, oh, I hope, I hope it's good. And it was. It lived up to it. So, but yeah, I've been seeing a lot of good stuff recently. Love when it uh, lives up to the hype. Yeah, definitely. But uh, that'll do it for this episode. Jonathan, thank you for coming on and your persistence in getting on the show and selecting a fantastic... Like, I love that. I love this episode already. I haven't even edited it uh, for uh, What's Up Doc. But before we go, let people know where they can keep up with you and what you got coming up. Well, Brandon, thank you again for having me. And it was an honor to have 
this movie be the subject of the conversation. I have been Mm -hmm. looking forward to this all week. So thank you. You can find me over at Facebook or Instagram at this means podcast or on Twitter at this means pod. All right. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon Forky UHD would work at why so blue.com. There's more from the Brandon Peter show this week, but until then stay film positive. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.